Steel Reserve, huh? Nice. I've uh, I've got a Sierra Nevada Hazy Little Thing IPA and a Triptych Really Dank Meme. So I got a couple IPAs here. I'm nice. good to go. I got Citradelic. Oh, okay. That's a good one. Yeah, rather tasty. I got my snapper here, so... <laughs> no narrow gauge, huh? Not tonight. Uh, a little broke tonight. Yeah. They uh, canned some coffee not too long ago. And Dude, I they're, was... they, they're canning new stuff like every week. I and know. It, I just, I'm pissed I live so far away every time I see it. Well, I we don't live overly close either. Yeah. But my wife works about 10 minutes from, from where Jeff works, so I'm like, yeah, we need... I've been trying to get her to go buy shit for me on her way back home from work. Honey, it's Christmas time. (laughs) Exactly. Now, if it's Christmas, that means she's off. She's off for like three weeks. Nice. Yeah, she's lucky. This portion of the Drunken Lullabies podcast is brought to you by DiscussMetal.com and the beer we are drinking. (laughs) There you go. I I left my uh, high school reunion to be here, so... Being professional. And if you left a high school reunion to drink Steel Reserve while listening to Project 86... Then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. That is Jeff. It's Industrial December. Is it? It's Christmas time. We're talking about Project 86 with Dustin of Drunken Lullabies. The voice. And That's Drunk me. of the Movies. I love that podcast. I'm, I'm happy to hear that. I really do, man. That's so much fun. I, I really want to be on one. That's that's like uh, you that's were like, on one. Just no, getting, no. Just... I want to be. I want to be on Drunk of the Movies. Oh, Drunk of the Movies, absolutely. Oh, dude, that's that's awesome. It is pretty cool, dude. Like, and I, I don't know. I like. I definitely like syncing the movie up, so I can get kind of some of the nuance of it. Yeah. After I went back in your back catalog and and you told me that you did uh, Big Trouble in Little China, I was like, oh okay. yeah. Oh my god, that's that's like my childhood. I grew up on John Carpenter. That guy is my freaking hero. That was a funny one. Uh, we got very drunk by yeah. the end of that one. <laughs> yeah, so. he did. Can relate to that in a big way. <laughs> I, get to, I get drunk by the end of these usually every time. Yeah, Kim Cattrall was my first crush. Not because, Not because of, Porky's. of Porky's. Yeah, I know. Isn't that messed up? It was actually because of Big Trouble in China. Not in the uh, whenever they're swimming through the sewers and she's got the wet T-shirt. I was like, <gasps> oh yeah, boobs. <laughs> this is the story of Jeff when he was seven. Yeah, the 80s were a magical time. Isn't it interesting how the 80s are now nostalgic enough to be referenced in every piece of media that comes out? <laughs> Being a hipster over there, Joe? I'm yeah. trying to be. Yeah, that's the more messed up thing. Is like I see like like what my nieces wear and like how they do their hair. I'm like, are you guys going to a New Kids on the Block concert? Because... That's what you look like. Really, Jeff, we're talking about Project 86, and you got to bring up New Kids on the Block. Hey, Andrew wanted to talk about Lana Del Rey. I think uh, New Kids on the Block will work just fine. All right, fair enough. So, (laughs) (laughs) tonight's topic is Project 86, and this is a band that I have been listening to probably for the past 17 to 18 years. So that's... um, Really, I've been doing like the last 17, 18 days. Yeah, I know. Welcome um, to the family, Jeff. <laughs> but yeah, Project Eighty Six was like the first heavy band that I really that like kind of bridged the gap for me from you know listening to stuff like listening to stuff like Corn and you know um, Carmen, Limp Biscuit, and Pod and stuff like that. Project Eighty Six was just a little bit heavier. Petra. Shut up. <laughs> uh, Project Eighty Six was just a little bit heavier than those bands. And so, you know, it wasn't long before I was into, you know, a lot heavier stuff. And th- this, 
their album Drawing Black Lines that came out in 2000 was really my gateway into heavy music. Okay. And if you listen to Project 86 today, you're going to hear not the same band, but you're definitely going to hear the same voice. Andrew the band, yeah. I tell you what, Schwab's got a hell of a voice, man. Even if uh, I have to admit, I'm not always uh, some of their song choices I'm not a huge fan of, but man, I can listen to Andrew all freaking day. Yep. That dude's got a... Got some pipes. It's like a more angry Mark Solomon, right? Yeah. Yeah. Before we get too deep into Project 86, I'm going to take the time to say thank you to everyone for listening to this podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, you can find everything discography discussion at discussmetal.com. We are on Google Play. We are on iTunes. We are on Stitcher. We are on TuneIn Radio. So if you have an Amazon Echo product, you can say to it, Alexa, play the latest episode of Discography Discussion, and she will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening, and Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. We love five-star reviews here on Discography Discussion. Do we? We do. I, Who doesn't? Yeah, yeah no they're great. <laughs> However, um, give us whatever kind of feedback you think we deserve. But you uh, suck, if you Dan. if you like the podcast, but like hate Jeff, it's completely understandable. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I get that a lot. Know, just don't let that affect our star rating. But make sure to put it in the review anyway. Um, but no, these these five star reviews really help our podcast out in the sense that. You know, when people are searching for a metal podcast or a music podcast, we're more likely to show up in those search results the more reviews that we have. So be honest, but if you do like the podcast, uh, definitely give it a five-star rating. And now Dustin is going to tell us all about Drunken Lullabies. Yeah, so uh, I'm the host of a show called Drunken Lullabies. been doing it over two years now, sponsored by... Distill Brewery in Bloomington, Illinois. Oh, yeah. Actually, it's it's normal, but most people know Bloomington better, I guess. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it, we it do. It's a craft beer and indie music podcast. And a couple of you guys sat in on an episode we did not too long ago at a narrow gauge brewery in Florissant. Yes, um, Dan and Jeff. Got tipsy with me, uh, had a good time with them, and they got to drink for free. And the other Jeff, Jeff Hardesty. And the other Jeff, Jeff Hardesty, the yep. uh, the brewmaster at Narrow Gauge. Um, but yeah, I've been doing this for a little while. We met uh, thanks to the Nashville Rock and Pod Expo in Nashville. I did a live show on stage, getting tasting beers with a few other hosts of other shows, and you guys were in the audience and uh, seemed to to dig what I was doing. So uh, we, we chatted afterwards and said, yeah, we, we need to do some something down the, down the road together. And like I said, had you guys on my show. Uh, now it sounds like you want to get drunk on the couch with me for drunk at the movies. We do. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> we can probably do we can do a road trip version. Uh, I can come to you guys at some point and we can do a do a movie or vice versa we have no yeah. problem we're not we're not that far away from each other yeah you know it's yeah. a morning drive you know it's not too bad well it gives me an excuse to come to st louis and go to a cardinal game or something oh even better yeah if we can do it in my uh, star wars theater room 
There we go. That was going to be my suggestion because <laughs> it's Jeff's theater room. Next Christmas, we'll watch the Star Wars Christmas special. <laughs> yeah. Oh, geez. Oh, We're going to have yeah. to be drunk to get through that thing. Oh, yeah. I, I watched that sober, and that was rough. Like, uh, yeah, it's weird. Rest of Chewie's family. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, Jeff, yes. you have to drink every time they speak. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you have to fill and you have to fill this five gallon bucket with puke. Uh, it won't go. Oh, no. Won't take but five minutes. <laughs> wow. Yeah. As soon as the grandpa starts getting off with his uh interactive video porn or whatever. Oh my that god, is that's that like, isn't that the yeah, best? That's pretty messed up. What's you, you did a you're starting a new podcast as well, are, yeah. are you not? Yeah, as if two weren't enough. I'm I'm doing a third now. Um, it's called Craft Beer Digest, and it is brought to you by White Oak Brewing in Normal, Illinois. And I sit down with Brian. He's uh, one of the, the owners of White Oak, and we talk insider beer stuff. It's a lot more informative what's going on in the central Illinois beer scene. Uh, we're going to talk to different people in the industry, different breweries, um, and yeah, it, it's going to be shorter episodes, less drunkenness, more information, but still going to be a fun time. Uh, and it's it's got two episodes out uh, as of next week, so uh, we're we're getting approved through all the proper avenues and apps. But if you just look up Craft Beer Digest, you'll find it. Very cool. In unison. Jinx. <laughs> Jeff and I are, yeah, we've, we've gotten to that point now. <laughs> so, Dan, tell me about Project 86. Like I said earlier, Project 86 is a, uh, well, they're a, they're a rock band for the most part. They're on the heavier side, uh, especially at the beginning of their career. And they've kind of gone all over the map over the past two decades. Orange County, California, right? Yes, and the original band members, the ones that we all think of whenever we think of Project 86, is Andrew Schwab. And everybody else. <laughs> That's what Schwab wants you to think, I think. <laughs> Randy Torres. I know their names. Stephen yeah. Dahl. Yes. I don't remember Alex's last name. It, it's okay. He's Alex the drummer. No. Yeah. I just go by first names anyway. I think they used to call him a hammer before. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, you, you mentioned jumping on with, with drawing black lines. I started listening to them as soon as the self-titled came out. Um, so I've been, I'm closing in on 20 years now, which uh, dates me a little bit. But um, I, I heard them the first time it was on some tooth and nail sampler and Run was on there. It was probably like a songs from the penalty box or, or something like that. But uh, that was basically when it was like, oh, these guys are a Christian Rage Against the Machine. Yeah. I can dig that. And, uh, you know, the, the album came out, bought it. And, uh, I mean, I'm sure we'll get more into the album specifically. But, uh, yeah, once Drawing Black Lines came out, they, they took off way, way uh, heavier and just better music. Absolutely. Uh, and yeah, I was a much bigger fan with that album. As much as I want to talk about drawing black lines, I've never heard a better segue into the self-titled Project 86, Dan. Oh yeah. 1998, 
I believe your review of this was exactly the same as Dustin's. Oh, it's, it's a Christian project against the machine. Yeah, yeah. It's a Rage Against the Machine band. Project Against the Machine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was amazing. I'm calling it that. And what's funny is if you listen to their demo, um, I used to be on the Project 86 message board back when those were a thing. And, uh, was that on GeoCities? Something like that. No, it was the official Project86.com. Oh. I, I thought was, it was uh, Angel okay. Fire. I was a member of Team Black, which was their fan club. And uh, so I got I, I got access to this forum that, you know, they every now and again, somebody from the band or somebody knew the band would post stuff that you wouldn't normally get be able to get your hands on. And uh, so they actually had the original Project 86 demo. And what's interesting about that demo is that it sounds even more like Rage Against the Machine than the self-titled does, really? right, right down to Andrew's vocals. Huh. Like he even he even has a, a, a Zach Delaroche is it Delaroche? Delaroche. Zachary Delaroche. Delaroche. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm terrible at pronouncing stuff like that. And uh, yeah, like he sounds exactly like him. I mean, it's it's uncanny. So it's really interesting how on the self-titled. He really kind of came out of the gate. I'm like, if you'd never heard that demo, you would think that he had that original vocal from the very beginning. So is there any type of history or documentation where they say, we listened to this and we thought we would do this, but then we kind of became what we were? Or is that all just same date, same time, same bat channel? Yeah, I was wondering what you guys think of it now, listening to it, you know, it's like 18 years after the fact. Um, I don't really think it holds up too well. It's very boring for a Project 86 yeah, record. It's very repetitive. A lot of the songs sound the same. Uh, there's only like three tracks on there that I would classify as repeat listeners. Uh, if I was making like a playlist of my favorite Project songs, probably only three tracks would make it. I, I guarantee Pipe Dreams on there. Definitely. Yeah, I was going to say that. Because that, that's the one that sounds most like Drawing Black Lines. Yeah. Um, without really sounding like that. Um, I've got a huge... Uh, I mean, you got to throw Six Sirens on there because Sonny from P.O.D. was on it. Right. Mm -hmm. um, that one's pretty good. And I'm actually a really big fan of When Darkness Reigns, um, even though that's a boring as hell song. Yeah, um, it doesn't do it for me. I like it because it has, a, it has kind of an epic feel. And... It didn't really work, but I mean, I mean, I remember loving it back in the day because, like, yeah, I had Drawing Black Lines first, but, like, I mean, after hearing Drawing Black Lines, it was a pretty quick rush to the store to buy the self-titled. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I'd say the self-titles, the eponymous, is a product of the times, and I think that's part of the reason why we all, I think, for the most part, we agree it doesn't hold up. I mean, it just as somebody who uh, is kind of a neophyte going back and listening to it, because I, I was never introduced until, uh, really, till we had Andrew on the show. Uh, yeah, it, it just didn't scratch any itch for me, uh, and it, it definitely felt dated, other than the, a handful of tracks like you're stating. Um, part of it may be because it, it was co-self-produced. It was them and a guy, I'm looking at the liner notes now, named Brian Carlstrom, uh, I'm not sure what his relationship was with them, but once they moved on to the next album with a, a quote-unquote legit producer, you can definitely hear that they benefited from having somebody else at the, you know, at the boards and giving them direction. I agree, and I find it interesting 
with since Andrew was on, you know, that his love of uh, the Mars Volta and the stuff that he really liked from the Mars Volta was a lot of the stuff that they self-produced. And huh. like we liked uh, uh, Delos in the uh, Comatorium or whatever the heck it's yeah, called. Yeah, that's my favorite. That's yeah, everybody's and, and, favorite, I think. Well, no, outside of Andrew. I mean, Andrew liked a lot of the stuff that they self-produced. That was like his bread and butter. Yeah. Well, I think this record, though, is kind of like... I think they, they actually had a lot of good ideas on this record. But it just sounds kind of tired. Yeah. The energy is Very droning. Yeah. And, like, it's very... Yeah. Like, I could see it being, like, hot shit in 1998. Because, I mean, obviously it was, or the band wouldn't have gotten where, you know... I don't remember hearing anybody be like, oh, yeah, Project 6, they're a boring band or whatever. And I think it's just one of those, like Jeff said, a product of the times in that it's not really something that we can appreciate with modern ears, especially since we've heard a ton of albums by the same band. Speaking of modern ears, I'm going to come back to the self-titled once we get caught up because it's 1998. It's a band's first release. These are the songs they had, or at least the best songs they had. And... This leads us into the next record, which I feel like we could talk about drawing black lines at the end of the episode just to keep the suspense up, but that's not how we do things. Because <laughs> everybody wants to talk about drawing black lines, so 2000, Drawing Black Lines, Project 86. Holy shit. You're going to hear holy shit a lot out of us because... Well, for the next couple hours. Project 86 has a lot of peak awesome and then come back to the middle and then fall off a little bit and then peak awesome again. So they continuously deliver. And this was the first time they really delivered. Yeah. From a production standpoint, because I like to get that out of the way because it's boring to most people. There's nothing really different going on here versus the self-titled other than the additional guitars and the additional def- oh, effects dude. but the songs are just above and beyond everything better. everything sounds way bigger on this release yeah yeah i agree and the what makes it even better for me was the addition of letting randy sing background vocals uh instead of it just being andrew doing you know the the rapping like on the, the first record Randy's got a good voice and him coming in with those harmonies and stuff and and taking co-lead on some of the songs that really expanded their their sound for sure. I miss the Randy Torres vocal. Totally, totally miss yeah. it. To this day. To me, it's an integral part of their sound. That was the template for all the music we made. Well, yeah, and it's notably gone now. Yeah, like when Joe and I used to play in bands, that's what we would do. I did all the screaming and Joe would do this melodic singing. You know, like that's just... That was our whole thing. Yeah, you know what's funny is whenever you first showed me your guys' band, like, I like the stuff where there's, like, clean singing mixed in. Remember yeah. that? Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> fuck you. <Yeah. laughs> and you're like, I didn't do the clean singing. That was the guitar player, Joe. <sighs> yeah. yeah, see, I was a clean singer, too. That uh, <laughs> All my, my friends that I was jamming with, they wanted to go heavy. I'm like, no, man, there's got to be melody. I, I can't scream and yell all the time. I like that dichotomy. You get used I, to it. That's why I like melodic death metal is because there's both. I mean, I, I want my cake and eat it too. 
Well, I mean, I like In Flames, but I also like mindless shit like Napalm Death. <laughs> I thought you were going to say mindless self-indulgence, <laughs> and I was about to be like, Obituary. really, dude? We're talking about that? Uh, <laughs> yeah, secret. Yeah. This ain't no planet of no apes. <laughs> right. Okay, so. I've seen them live three times, actually. <laughs> nice. <laughs> They're entertaining as hell live. Yeah. It's yeah, just kind of silly show. on the record. Drawing black lines, I, I was texting Dan, and I was like, I I dig this. I actually like this quite a bit. It's It's... It's a little heavier, I and I and I like, I, I like Andrew's vocals a ton, and I and, yeah. I and I like the the layering of the clean the clean vocals behind it. That's that's a big deal to me. That's like a, that's like putting the carrot on the stick in front of me. I, I will run all day long for that. I don't know if this was when he found his voice, but this is when he first found his voice. Yeah, I mean he he definitely does more clean singing later on. But yeah, you can. There's definitely some of that on this. He also had a sick ass afro during this era. <laughs> yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yeah, I think that's where Dan gets the, his. Uh, his no, that, yeah, that's genetic. My, my, my hair just grows like that. <laughs> well, I hope you don't go. Oh, we love you, Andrew, but you can't. You can't pull it off anymore. Well, he's the, I think he was bald when we interviewed him. He's, I, that's he's been what, yeah. shaved heads ever since the well, video for One Armed Man, I thought. He was like straight up Professor X. I know. Well, that's yeah. what I'm trying to get at is he couldn't get the afro back even if he wanted to. He'd have to. How do you know, Jeff? What do you, what do you mean? Because we, we did video chat, you can tell. We'll call him up. We'll be all like, dude, you're not going to believe what. Yeah. yeah you're not believe what Jeff said about your hair, man. Joe, get him, on, bro, get him on the Skype right now. Call him. Yeah. That's Dial all out Andrew Schwab. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what happens. I can see that now. What, can he's, I, can he's I help like, you guys? He, he's going to come through <laughs> Skype and kick my ass. That's what's going to happen. I'm pretty sure he's going to be like, oh, God, not these guys again, and hit the ignore button. <laughs> oh, that's what I would do. <laughs> uh, that's what I do if you called me too. Anyway, the first time, uh, the first time I was showing Joe Project Eighty Six, one of his original comments that has stuck with me all these years later has been, he goes, "That is the best use of somebody that doesn't sing I've ever heard." Yeah, that is exactly yeah. what I said. Because you know Schwab screams and yells, but it's not in the traditional sense. This isn't like a poison the well or zeo or something like that. Like it's it's aggressive talking. It is. It's like uh, you know the OC Supertones. Uh, has a very similar vocal style mm -hmm. to Andrew Schwab, but like, so m the first time my wife heard it, she's like, "Oh, well, he just sounds like really angry supertones." And I thought that was kind of funny with them all being from Orange County, right? I was yeah. thinking it was like a better version of Zebrahead. Yeah, I could hear that. But what was striking about this record is that, like, this dude, the self-titled, didn't even hint at this. No. I mean, this was ridiculous. People talk about the sophomore slump. Uh, this is what the debut album should have been. Yes. And for you most know. people, this is what the debut album was. That's true. That's true. And for a lot of people like me who are Spotify junkies, I mean, if you didn't know, if you didn't know any better, one on there. yeah, if you didn't know any better, you would think this was the debut album. I think that's what Andrew wants everyone to think. But we know better. Yeah. Yes. We, we, we have there. memories and physical media. Yes. I, I will say this, Dustin. You're the only person I know that that has Spotify running more than I do. <laughs> like, holy yeah, shit, dude. Like, I, I listen to a lot of music. I, uh, I listen for at least eight hours a day at work. And I've got tons of playlists. I, I listen at home a lot as well. But yeah, I... 
dude, I ran a record store for a decade, so I'm just used to being around music all day long. And I can't, I can't tolerate the music at the bank. Thank God I'm in the drive-through, and I can just listen to music on my phone all day. I feel you, man. I, I used to, I used to run a Sam Goody. So, I, okay. I actually, I, I won, I ran one of their test stores in in New Markets. Whenever Best Buy first bought them, and it was going to be like mini Best Buys. So we had, I got to like have carte blanche. And I'm like, oh sweet, we're going to be like listening to In Flames and. 30 seconds to Mars when they, they were still real heavy. Actually, what? Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, uh, Capricorn had definitely had plenty of heavy elements in it, what? dude. You know it does. What? Because you listen to it, too, and you like it. I like it, but I wouldn't call it heavy. <laughs> it's got plenty of heavy. Shit doesn't sound I anything like a bitch I didn't say it was metal. I said it was heavy. It's not as there's heavy as Stein's of, theme. There's plenty of Project 86 that's heavy, and well, it's okay. not metal. Well, hey, let's get back on that. Yeah. Uh, so, Drawing Black Lines is also interesting in the sense that it's right on the cusp between, like, being straight hardcore, <laughs> but also retaining that sense of, like, hard rock that we had in the early 2000s. Speaking of the first thing somebody said about a band, I believe your word about Drawing Black Lines was these vocals are so hardcore. Well, I had nothing to compare it to. Like I said, this was my this was my bridge. This is the first album I had where the dude literally pretty much screamed from beginning to end. Now, were you guys going to Cornerstone around this era at all? Absolutely. Okay, because that's my neck of the woods. That's like a 40-minute drive for me. Yeah. And I remember seeing them around this time, and he, like, painted his face to look like a skeleton or something. He had the afro, and he was like... Kung Fu clothes and you know it was it was quite a, a stage performance. Are you certain you weren't watching Five Iron Frenzy? Because that sounds like something Reese Roper would have done. Oh, <laughs> uh, Reese, Reese and the gang—they dressed up in Star Trek costumes one time. I remember that. <laughs> so that's really cool that you got to see Project Eighty Six during the Drawing Black Lines era because I didn't. I don't think I saw the band live until well after Truthless Heroes had come out. Okay, I remember they had a a pre-release show on the main stage uh, right before Truthless Heroes came out and debuted some of the songs there. That was pretty good. But yeah, I remember seeing them on smaller stages. By that time, they were, you know, much bigger. Well, standout tracks on Drawing Black Lines? Honestly, I don't skip a track until the last two. Well, 23, I never listened to all of that. That's just noise. But yeah, I mean, it's if they would have ended that at, at 10 tracks... And kept it a tight, you know, shorter record. It all killer, no filler. But you know, Absolutely. there's a couple at the end that I just, you know, if I'm gonna skip anything, that's what I'm gonna skip. Standout tracks for me were uh, Stein's or Stein's theme. Mm-hmm. Um, One Arm Man, obviously. Um, don't say me against me, because then you're just listing the track listing. It, um, we're gonna end up <laughs> listing the track listing by the time we're done. No, I like really like set me up. I like chimes. Um, but man, that song PS still creeps the hell out of me, dude. Oh, dude, yeah. That, <laughs> I texted Dan earlier this week, and I'm like, dude, I'm digging PS. I love mm-hmm. that fucking song, man. That's great. With the that weird. Uh, has anybody like done the um, to find out what it is that she's saying? Uh. Well, I just contributed to, I contributed to the, it wasn't Kickstarter, it was like something, Pledge Music, uh, for the new album. Yeah. And uh, Andrew does a huge write-up on Drawing Black Lines. Oh, okay. In there, and he, 
he he did say up. what they were saying, but it didn't. It, none of it was like significant. It was just like just random kinda, phrases that the band thought sounded cool. I'm just kind of curious on, yeah. on what she said more than anything else. I mean, it didn't have to be like. Have my, you guys read the lyrics word? for that song? It's Dan, about Dan, porn addiction, Dan, right? Dan, who are you talking to here? Right, it's about porn <laughs> addiction, though, right? Has anybody else ever read the lyrics to that song? I'm pretty sure you're the one that told me it's about porn addiction, so my opinion on that is Stein. I don't you. know if it is or not. It's just I, I, innocence sold out to addiction. Yeah, I, I see. That's one of the the big lines in the song. Yeah, I'm looking at the liner notes right now. It pays to have CDs still. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it does. I I tell you what, that's the only thing I I really. I miss with everything going digital. I love liner notes. Like there's no tomorrow. I uh, I really but like read Star. Lyrics. As yeah, well. I don't read uh, lyrics, but I read the liner notes. How messed up is that? <laughs> yeah, Star is great. Which that would have never made the first record. You know, that's it's Randy singing a quiet song, and yeah, it that was one of the things. Like, oh, this is a totally different band. So. Yeah, but it, I dig it, it. it fits here, though. Mm-hmm. Because this is a dark record, you know. Um, the the whole idea of drawing black lines. I mean, it's it could not it could not be more well represented musically than it is, and for a Christian rock album, no less. Well, this got him a major label deal. Oh like, yeah, thanks to Pod, uh, they got signed to Atlantic or whatever. And I turned so many people on to this record with just you know like oh you need to check out this band this album's amazing and uh i think bec put it out first then they got the atlantic deal and they re-released it um but i still have the original bec release yeah this was the record that was in every guitar magazine everybody that talked about music would talk about corn and would talk about nine inch nails and then i would bust out drunk black lines who is that and is like no that's not who is it and unfortunately (laughs) the best way in 2000 to get people to listen to christian music was to just not tell them yeah and then they listen to a band like project 86 and they're like this is really really fucking good and then i tell them yeah you know that christian music you say you hate yeah you know how you say you hate P.O.D.? Yeah. Merry Christmas. Merry fucking Christmas. <laughs> you nah, know, I, nah, I listen wish... to these blindside records. <laughs> well, no, that's like, it's funny that you say that. Ooh, I, I mean, it's like you're reading my freaking mind because I'm a huge, huge blindside fan. And if I would have known and had expanded my horizons just a tiny bit more, uh, drawing black lines would have been way up my alley back in 2000 uh, and I and that was back when I was running the Sam Goody I would have played the shit out of this stuff you know here's something else that's funny uh, as far as uh, drawing black lines I- I'm looking at uh, Joe's screen on Google Play Music this is how I can tell that he legitimately loves this band because most of the time when we do reviews it's just the four or five times that he's listened to the album and we're in like in the 30s and 40s on the songs that 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 he's listened to on this so i know he legitimately loves this album absolutely <laughs> which it's it's great because i i'm i'm really happy that we actually get to listen and review stuff that that joe's digging because i guess we ought to mention it joe's kind of like the unsung hero uh, of our podcast he does everything for us tell me more about me yeah i know I, I I have oh, no. He's relaxing. He's I have back. I have no gag reflex, so I can keep going. <laughs> Dan and I 
most of the time we just like posture and talk shit the whole time and Joe just has to cut everything out that I say that's terrible. But this was this is one episode I know for a fact that that Joe is thoroughly going to enjoy because he loves this band. So I'm done. So before we move on to Truthless Heroes, <laughs> oh shit, I'm leaving all of that in. I'm sure you are. So before we move on to Truthless Heroes, Dustin, I have to ask you because yeah. everybody that loves Project 86 has an opinion about Truthless Heroes. Mm-hmm. What is your opinion of Truthless Heroes? It is my second favorite album of theirs. Most people that have listened to at least half of their music, either Truthless Heroes is their favorite record or it's in their top two. Yeah. Dan, would you agree with that? Uh, probably. Um, it's almost beat out by one that we'll get into a little bit later. but Yeah, it's uh, actually number three for me. Yeah, it's. I mean, it was a fantastic follow-up. For, for drawing black lines for sure it was a different follow up if only for the Andrew Schwab singing which was not common and I find it interesting that we talked about it with him on our episode with the Mars Volta where he mentioned that it was just a painful process as far as the producer was and you can go back and listen to that at any time you want on iTunes or Google Play Music but for the fans, Dan is one of the best examples I have because his thing was always, I'm the lead vocalist. I need to do as much as I possibly can to be the lead vocalist. And this was the first time that the lead vocalist did everything. He did the screaming. He did the singing. Randy's still in there. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't a staple of Schwab at the time to be a singer and years would go by and he would sing more and more and more I like Truthless Heroes and I think except for the filler it's probably yeah, their I, I best record those. I think it's their best record it's not my favorite record see I actually like Drawing Black Lines more than Truthless Heroes well, everybody, I that's do, a absolutely. Com- that's, yeah, it's a pretty common opinion. Um, okay. No, and I'm, I mean, I'm the same way. Um, I, think, I think people... Well, I'm a noob, so that's why I'm saying I think, it the way I am. It's weird, too, because I've heard people misquote me about this record a lot over the years. <laughs> and usually in a case like this, I'm going to say, what the fuck is this band? They aren't the band that I signed up for. They're not the same, but, like... I'm the way I was back then in 2002 is not like me now in the sense that like now I'm more opt to like well what the hell it doesn't sound like John Black Line so I don't want it um, but back then it was like more of a holy shit there's a new Project 86 album out and so I listened to this fucker at least a thousand times at least and and now is that an attempt to make yourself like it? No, or are you genuinely no. Dug buddy it and I, buddy and I, listen to this shit on the way to school every day for a year and a half for a long ass time, and I was completely sold by it. I was sold by the concept of it, the truthless hero, the unnamed hero, and and all that, and um, and the weird lyrics and the weird music and the more melodic singing and stuff I, I just thought it 
it all sounded really, really cool and different. And despite what people tell you about Toothless Heroes being a softer album than Drawing Black Lines, there's still some pretty badass songs on Truthless Heroes. Um, there's uh, like uh, SMC and um, shit. Does that oh, stand for I hope so. <laughs> Wait, you mean it doesn't stand for that? That's what oh. I always thought. Um, and then there was another boredom movement, which I thought was just a t- fucking terrifying song. How much do you think, because this was like their first album made for Atlantic, how much do you think they were pushing it to be more melodic and they wanted something that was going to be radio-friendly, you know, alternative radio-friendly? Well, according to Andrew, that's all it was. Like, they just pushed... Really? um, I actually have his book. It's called um, It's All Downhill From Here on the Road to Project 86. And he talks a lot about that. He talks about, um, you know, how at one point he says that, like, I'm standing there in the booth and they're telling me to sing, sing, sing. And all I want to do is scream, scream, scream. <laughs> you know, and he said, he said, you know, over the course of time, Atlantic Records more or less stripped away all of the elements that made their previous records successful. That's interesting. I believe his quote from our episode was, they wanted radio singles. Yeah, he did say that. Sounds like an Atlantic Records decision, so I'm inclined to believe him. And even if it didn't sound like an Atlantic Records decision, I'm inclined to believe him. He was there. Well, I mean, major record label, radio singles, I mean, the two kind of go hand in hand. With the exception of the filler, and I shouldn't call it filler, the transition songs that are on this record... Almost every song is good, and we like to joke about Hollow Again in our circle because of a appearance they made at Cornerstone where it felt like they sang Hollow Again for 20 minutes straight. Fuck. <laughs> to um, this day, Dan's like, it actually happened. I'm not kidding. He encored Hollow Again seven times. That, that was just... Okay, I like the album... And I, I really like it mostly for the nostalgia of it, because now it takes me back to being in high school. So you can never really replace that. Even if a record is total shit, if you loved it when you were in high school, then you're going to kind of always love it. And uh, so I think I think part of my enjoyment of this record is nostalgia. Listening to it now, like with the times I listened to it this week, I definitely see errors, like not errors, but like flaws in it, like... A lot of the songs tend to go on forever, and they tend to be very repetitive. Like that song, Know What It Means, just over and over. Do you know what it means? Neither do I, neither do I, over and over and over and over over again. You know, and then there was, uh, remember what it's like to be you, to be you. Remember what it's like to be me, to me. You know, it, it was just, come on. Like those songs were just there just to fill up fucking tracks. Um... That's kind of how Rage was back in the day, too, though. Like, the lyrics are about ten lines, and it's just re- repeated all the time. So I kind of saw that as like, oh, so this is like the first album and the second album smashed up into, like, this weird amalgam or something. That's kind of how I looked at it, but I get what and you're saying. And that's just a modern take. I don't hate those songs. It's just listening to it. Like, if I was coming in fresh like Jeff was... I'd probably be shitting all over this record. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, it's it's all right. 
but it's uh, yeah. I, I, it, <laughs> I damn son. Yeah, we've had Andrew on. I I don't want to shit on his stuff. I just yeah. I mean, it just it didn't scratch that itch for me. It, it, this I'm there's a lot of these albums that um, we had another band on that we did with. Uh, uh, Eric Hall, uh, he is legend, and I felt the same way about it. It's like that. It's a tweener band. It's uh, it's kind of rock. It's kind of metal, and it's like a gateway to both. And you, I just wish it would be one or the other. And with Andrew's vocals, I mean the the dude's got pipes. I want them to like beat the shit out of me when I'm listening to this stuff. So they what you're saying already. is you want to listen to songs to burn your bridges by. Well, no, they did that already. They, they did, it's called Drawing Black Lines. I won. They beat your ass to death on that record. It, yeah, but I wanted... I, I'm a masochist. I want it even more. Because... You're Bill Murray and uh, Little Shop of Horrors? Yeah. It. It, because it... Drawing Black Lines was like the... Uh, that was actually the second album I, I listened to. In the what is it, Picket Fence Cartel or whatever? That's that's the first one I listened to. But yeah, this was uh, this was just like a huge letdown for me to be truthful with you. And there's actually there's quite a few albums that I was truthless. Just, I I was kind of truthfully I I was bummed. I I'm like he's got so many skills. He's got such an amazing voice, and I wanted them to be able to to use it more in. It just didn't happen for me. I, I was really disappointed, to be truthful with you, going through a lot of the discography. But that's what I, you know, I didn't grow up on these guys. I mean, what I grew up on, I guarantee you most people would shit on. I mean, I, I grew up on, like, a ton of industrial, so that's why I'm so excited about December for our podcast. Like, God Loves Underwater is, like, my freaking heroes. And most people, if they listen to them, they're like, those guys suck. And I, and I get it. I'm like, it, it's it's what you grew up listening to, what you love. And uh, for me, it just a lot of their albums just didn't age well. And this is definitely one of them. This was an attempt for radio play back in the early 2000s that just, that's when I hated radio. I still hate radio now. And uh, it was, it's, it's what I dislike about popular music. I think... This is what it sounds like when you take a band like Project 86 and expect them and insist that they create radio singles. Yeah, you're right. I mean, there's I, a couple in there. It's not the band itself that I hate, it's the record labels that fuck them up. I mean, Drawn Black Lines is is kick ass. I love I love that album. I really do. I like that's that's in the regular rotation now. I genuinely like it. But most of their stuff after that, uh, I could, you know, sure, it's great for the background, but collectively, overall, I'm not overly interested. It, there's not a standout track that says, holy shit, I gotta listen to this band. Drawing Black Lines is a holy shit, I gotta listen to this album. But the rest of the stuff, yeah, there's a lot of it afterwards, I'm not interested in. I'd say give me that SMC and Little Green Men. Definitely standout so, tracks for me. A lot of the tracks that I like on this record are kind of the more lame ones. So I really like uh, Soma, Hollow Again. Yeah, 
Yeah, I like Hollow again like a lot. Single. As much as we make fun of it. <laughs> yeah, oh god, I make fun of that song all the time, but I do love it. That was the song that when the album was coming out, you could go to project86.com, join the mailing list, and they'd send you an MP3. It's one of the first legitimate MP3s <laughs> I ever 48 downloaded. 48 minutes later, you could listen to it. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you got your fi- your 56K modem, but you were only getting like 24.4 or 26K download. Last meal I like a lot, mostly because Mark Solomon's on there, and that dude's my hero. Um, and so... That and I really like that how that song has almost kind of like a surfer bridge. Like, have, you, have you ever noticed that? And like the, um, you get, you, I guess it's about three fourths into the song, and he's like, the very beast that you create's the one that'll slay you in the end. And he goes two, two, three, four, and it, it goes into this like, he starts yelling like, "You'll never take me alive." And they're playing this like bass segment that's like kind of sounding, yeah, guitar and all that, yeah. yeah. It sounds like it sounds like surfboard music, you know, like nineteen sixties surfboarder music. It's they make it work. It's just that's the really notable. It's a really weird, notable musical choice for a record that, like, you would think that a producer would stop in and be like, "No, no, no, fucker, you're going back into the chorus now." You know, like, uh, so it's it's kind of funny that that song is kind of non-traditional <laughs> when you know this is supposed to be a record that's full of hits or whatever, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, like I like I like those songs, and th- this record. What saves it for me is the lyrics, 100%. Like, well, then again, we know why I didn't like it then, because I never pay attention to the lyrics. Yeah, well, that's, you know, if you're the kind of person that watches a movie with your eyes closed, then that's your problem. But, uh, <laughs> no, this this record... <laughs> Thanks, buddy. This, like, and there's a song, uh, Soma, and it has one of my favorite lines from a song ever. He goes, if you can amputate my heart then I will learn to smile and then you can replace me with yourself and I'll become the model citizen. And I'll tell them all that I had this breakthrough surgery where they give you a pill, remove your heart and replace it with a battery. And it's like, you listen to that and it's like, that's deep enough as it is, but it's like with the lyrics with Schwab, like, like really fucking with the record label with some of this stuff. Like none of that is like chartable <laughs> radio friendly. You know, like it's one of those like, yeah, we're it's going to be more mainstream sounding, but damn it, it's going to be a concept album. <laughs> Didn't lose you, did we, Dustin? Nope, I'm here. I was uh finishing pouring my beer. Cool. That's a good and idea. What are you Jeff, re- refill me. I'm currently dr- drinking a triptych really dank meme, Ooh. which is uh, a, a a nice like 8% we're gonna have to keep nice. that in mind for when we talk about uh, Demon Hunter. Oh, that's another great band. Yeah, yeah, it is. We're doing them next. We're doing them next year. We got them on the calendar. So nice. We'll give you a call. Unless this has been horrible for you. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Cool. All right. So, who wants to tell Joe the story of songs to burn your bridges by? Well, Dustin's the rest, re- the uh, resident expert here. So I'm gonna hand it oh, off to geez. him. Jeez. Well, uh, what I know is <laughs> they're not on a major label anymore. They're back on Tooth and Nail Records, uh, where they, I mean, kind of got their start. BEC was supposed to be like the more Christian offshoot of Tooth and Nail. But uh, yeah, this was their return to the indies. And, you know, in my opinion, I think it's a good album. Does it compared to the two before not in my opinion um it's got some heavier tracks uh they made 
a very creative music video um, for was it uh, Spy Hunter where they pretty much yep. kill Schwab? They shoot yes, him with is. a cannon in the chest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it turns into the album artwork. I remember hearing the EP first, which was an independent release. And Project 86 was written out. Project 86, all letters. And Dan was playing me the Spy Hunter, the Great Golden Gate Disaster, and I think it was Oblivion. And talking about how the band dropped their label and how they were back to being independent. And they basically did this recording in a couple days in some studio, some guy's basement somewhere or whatever the word was. I I can kind of tell if that's, this is all new information for me, but uh, yeah, I, I can believe it. Well, if you have that release, which I do, you can tell it was done very quickly and in almost in spite of the fact that Truthless Heroes was a thing. But then two days later, he shows back up with a record with a guy holding a knife behind his back with a hole in his chest. It says this is the full-length release, and they're back on tooth and nail. It was a little bit longer than that later, but... Uh, well, that was how long it took for you to show it to me. Okay, so I guess I'm the only one that happened to randomly sign into their website a long time ago, right after the Atlantic split. This is after Truthless had been out for a little while, and there's this really mysterious... Like, okay, so... One day, Project86.com just disappears. Like, it's just gone. I'm like, what the fuck? So then, one day I sign in again, and it's like, hey guys, we got our website back, finally. We're tired of being slaves. And we've decided to, like, pave our own way or something like that. And then all of a sudden it's like, hey, you can buy our newest album, Songs to Burn Your Bridges by here. And it was the, it was an independent release. And uh, I did not buy that because I just didn't for some reason. Like I must not have had the money or something like that because um, I was still a huge fan. But I remember thinking like, well, shit, like Truthless Heroes hasn't been out that long. You know, I usually expect about two years between records. Right. And so I was like, this is this is weird. And so whenever they did sign to Tooth and Nail after that, I definitely bought that one because it had more tracks and it had cooler cover artwork. And from what I understand, the sound production was beefed up quite a bit from the original recordings. There are everything that was recorded previously is either remixed or additions were made to it. There's a couple where they either used alternate vocal takes or he redid the vocals. Yeah, it's fixed. As an engineer, I love listening to shit like that because it's like, oh, you took that out, did you? That was one of my favorite things. <laughs> this record is basically like Truthless Heroes beefed up a little bit. It's not full-on drawing black lines. It's definitely not a return to that sound. And it's weird because the band had such a defiant attitude about all this. I mean, they released the Spy Hunter. Obviously, that's a pissed-off at Corporation song. Mm-hmm. You know, um, The whole record kind of permeates that theme of, like, big companies suck and, you know... God damn it, we're the best and it, all this shit. It lives shit, you up know? to its album title, Absolutely. Songs to Burn Your Bridges By. Absolutely. And, uh, safe Haven, like maybe that's talking about the, the indie labels right. being uh, their safe haven. Absolutely. And so it's like that. Uh, but the weird thing about that record is that for all its pissed offedness, we, we copyrighted that word on a previous podcast. And uh, 
<laughs> for all of its pissed offedness, it's not really that different from Truthless Heroes. Nope. See, I think Project 86 is a band that they leave hints to what they did before, and they leave hints to what they're going to do next. And maybe it was just the fact that this came out after Truthless Heroes, and now especially talking to Andrew, knowing that the Spy Hunter was written during the Truthless Heroes writing process, you get these little tidbits of, okay, this could have been on Drawing Black Lines, or this could have been the opening to Drawing Black Lines 2. But then you get Safe Haven, you get Say Goodnight to the Bad Guy, and I like those songs. I love Breakdown in 3-4. I love almost every song on here until you get to the last four tracks, with the exception of a text message to the so-called emperor. Oh, see, that we differ here, because uh, I'm kind of like half and half on this album. But uh, three card track number eleven, I totally dig because that's a punk song. Yeah, pure punk and rock. That, yeah, and that is my that's my bread and butter. So all of a sudden they're throwing up a punk track. And that came out of left field because they've never really done that. They've stuck with like the hardcore. Uh, so I dug that. And then I also like a fruitless end ever, uh, not endeavor, end ever. Um, but yeah, th- those are two of the two of my favorite tracks on the record. Most of the other ones are towards the front of the album. But yeah, you can tell one of them's a leftover because it says truthless heroes like in the lyric. That was the Spy Hunter. Well, yeah. and it's it's funny now because when it's used in the context of songs to burn your bridges by, it sounds like a slam on Truthless Heroes. Like we don't mm, need you know, that like, record. We, we have don't this need one. no Truthless Heroes. You know, so like it's yeah, it's interesting that it's you know maybe it wasn't originally written that way, but that's the way but it comes it across. Into it. It's very yeah. intentional placement for this record. But no, what I love about this record the most is, oh my God, Randy Torres, Randy Torres, Randy Torres, all (laughs) over it. I love the guitar work. I love Uh, the vocals where they're used. He sings a lot on this record, and it just sounds fresh. I think he sounds as good as he sounded on Drawing Black Lines, uh, Randy did. Um, Schwab, though, is a little bit more subdued on this one. I mean, he's aggressive. He yells. He barks. He does all that stuff, but like... It never reaches that level of aggression like it did on Drawing Black Lines. I don't think ever again in their career. He became, and I mentioned it earlier, the sole vocalist who sings and yells and raps and screams and all the stuff that Schwab does because he's awesome. There's a couple spots later on where Picket Fence Cartel, for example... And even the newest record, I feel like he kind of got back to it. But that's the difference between 2000 and 2017. Was Drawing Black Lines their heaviest release, or at least his most aggressive vocal performance? Uh, probably the most aggressive on record. I just like the, uh, I really like the lyrics on this one a lot, too. Um... This is actually the first Project 86 album that I've listened to that I was like, yeah, this is a Christian rock album. Uh, Because the lyrics, despite being ultra negative towards the record label and everything, are still kind of come across as a little bit more positive. There's like more references from the Bible and stuff in the songs, and there's a lot of like simile and stuff. And it's not like, it's not like that's why I listen to music, or at least not anymore. You know, when I was a kid, 
you know, and I was only allowed to listen to Christian music, you know, that stuff was obviously really important. But, um, you know, listening to it now, it's just interesting how they, they kind of found a little bit of their own <clears throat> solace. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they, they kind of they kind of started coming into more of what they would become, you know, as a staple of. Because I kind of think really after the whole Truthless Heroes thing, they kind of they kind of just stayed in the Christian market. Do you still have bad memories of Oblivion, Dan? All right, true story. <laughs> so I'm driving. Okay, you mean, so you mean, my you mean two true stories. My right? parents uh, went out of town one time, and um, I guess this is right after I got out of high school. So it was like my first year of college, and I was supposed to go to class that night, but I didn't. I decided to go see my girlfriend instead, and. Um, Instead of taking my car, I took my mom's car. <laughs> and it was raining outside, and I was listening to Songs to Burn Your Bridges by, and I was listening to the song Oblivion when, you know, a car in front of me stopped suddenly. Uh, I was going too fast. I slammed the brakes on, and uh, I, like, went off the road into the trees and flipped that fucking car two times. Yikes. <laughs> and it's so funny because... The bridge was getting ready to I begin. I remember... Yeah, it was during the bridge of the song. So, like, while it's flipping that... Like, that's in the car. Like, that should have been a music video, you know? Like, And, uh... No, I remember... I remember sitting upside down in the car, like, right after it happened. And the fucking CD's still playing. <laughs> And uh, and he finished like, the track. Yeah, I'm like trying to I'm like trying to get my seatbelt off, and uh, Andrew's yelling, "Let go the anchor, let go the dead weight." It's like <laughs> so funny. Uh, so that record was really, um, and I remember too because like whenever I got, I it was miraculously unharmed, uh, completely. I had no injury whatsoever, like no scratch, and uh, the car unfortunately didn't make it, but. It wasn't my car. It was my mom's car. Uh, so uh, I remember whenever the car got impounded, I remember like my dad's telling me about all the damage and how the car's completely totaled and they're going to buy my mom a new car, but he fully expects me to make the down payment. And uh, all, all of which is extremely fair. I realize now that I'm a dad. Um but I remember being like, "Yeah, but that CD that was in the in the CD player, you guys you guys got that out, right?" Because <laughs> that, uh, that I knew that's where that was going. Well, my copy of it was signed by Andrew, mm. and so I wanted that CD back, you know, really bad. And because uh, I had just seen them about two weeks prior with Haste the Day, and uh, so that was like a, a really good vibe. And I just remember that was the only fucking thing I cared about was like, "Was oh, that CD okay?" Because if it's not, I don't know what I'm going to do. I probably would have like broke down and started crying. Yeah, I can't top that. So how much more do we have to go before we end the first era of Project 86? Oh, we got a little ways to go, man. Really? Uh, honestly, these next few albums aren't going to get nearly as much dialogue out of me. Um, as I said, with, with this album, this is when I started to... I don't know, maybe lose a little bit of interest in what Project 86 was doing. I don't know if it was just me getting older, my musical taste changing a little bit, or just uh, what they were doing wasn't 
speaking to me as much. They brought me back in a little bit down the road, but uh, yeah, I didn't didn't really dig the next album. I really want to love and the rest will follow 2005. <laughs> if only for the fact that the first song, Sincerely Ichabod, it's almost a conscious effort to say to the fans, we know you miss us, we're still here. When your opening line is, we once drew some lines in black and now it's time we take them back, but every other song on the record is not as heavy. Yeah. That I don't song know. was so awesome. I remember being so amped up for the shit, you know, hearing that. And, like, then you go to the next track, which I think is, like, is that Doomsday Stomp? Uh, you got All of Me, Doomsday Stomp, uh, Something We Can't Be. Those songs are yeah. all boring as shit. <laughs> and, like, to throw them right after Sincerely, like, throw basically you're throwing out the best track you've come up with since Drawing Black Lines. And now all of a sudden, boring shit, boring shit, boring I shit, think these are shit. the slowest songs the band ever wrote. Yeah. Yeah, this is yeah. Uh, this is by far the standout track on this album, and it's not even close for me. But well, but I'm also kind of a obnoxious metalhead, so I guess that kind of makes sense. I like sincerely Ichabod. I like from December. I like Cavity King. That's one of my favorites. My will be a dead man. It's a and good that's a yeah, that's low good too. single too. Like yeah. that's yeah. another very low, slow tempo. And and this was their. Uh, reunion with Garth uh, or yes. Giga Garth. And <laughs> just, yeah. if you came in expecting Drawing Black Lines Part 2, you were sadly disappointed. And I'll be honest, I bought this one, played it a couple times the first month I got it, and then it went on the shelf. I probably didn't touch it for a couple years. I think this record has a really weak beginning section, like first half. If it was an mm-hmm. LP, side one's weak. Yeah. Um, you've got Sincerely Ichabod, which is carrying the whole thing over. However, you it flip is. it over to side two, and you get to Subject to Change, and then you have it suddenly you have a super badass song that's heavy and in your face. You know, like the, the, you know, your fate's still undecided. Retard, retard, retard. I mean, it, it just, it fucking, I mean, that, that song fucks you, man. It's like just... It's, aggressively, it's really aggressive. No, it's definitely aggressive. <laughs> no lube. Yeah, I, zero I, lube. Right in. Dustin, you're. He <laughs> took a page right out of my book. Yeah, man. it's a bite. The, <laughs> I think you stole your gimmick, Jeff. It's a it's a bite the pillow moment for sure. Oh man. <laughs> uh, but it's great, and um, but then right after that they go into um probably, okay guys, landmark moment. My favorite Project 86 song of all time what? is on this record. Seriously? Necktie Remedy. Oh, that's, yeah, that's all right. That is my favorite song by Project 86. And uh, let's get sappy for a second, shall we? That song has a very, very personal message for me. What uh, car did you wreck to no, this song? No, I did not wreck a song. I did not wreck a <laughs> song this to this car. Be, Shit, it, I'm drunk gonna, already. We're already going to talk. We're definitely going to talk about lyrics, though, if it's something sappy and damn. <sighs> okay, so I used to work at a bank. I worked... Um, and it's weird, too, because the song had literally no impact on me when it came out. <laughs> uh, in 2010, I took a job at a bank as a, bank, as a part-time bank teller. 
and I got um, I got steadily promoted. I went from part time to full time, and then I went to like a hoity toity part of town. I went up to Ladue and became a personal banker. And that's like the Beverly Hills of St. Louis. I was building wondering. a I was building a career in banking. I was wearing suits every day to work, and um, money was pretty good. Yeah, I saw some of that yeah. money in some of those suits. Yeah, Jeff used to work at a. <laughs> that, yeah, we'll get into that later. But yeah, um, Jeff used to work at a video game store that I used to just drop mad cash at. <laughs> yeah, he was my best customer, yeah. man. And uh, so I did that job from I guess t- for about four years, which is a long time for a young person. And um, I was a manager. And once I got into management, I got kind of more exposed to like the, just the weird, like, like just how greedy people could be, like executives could be and, um, like getting to see that firsthand, um, I would work my ass off and get like rack up all these bonuses and then they wouldn't pay my bonuses out and they give me some bullshit excuse as to why, you know, and all that. And, um. I put up with I put up with tons and tons of it. Well, then I guess eventually I started getting too outspoken and too aggressive with them, and uh, you I ended up, no. I ended, up, <laughs> I ended up getting I ended up getting canned very unceremoniously, and it started a really really dark period in my life. And this song, like, really helped me get through that part of my life. Um, just the whole necktie remedy, because as far as I know, necktie remedy, I think what's being hinted at here, and this is my own personal interpretation, but I think when he says a swing from a necktie remedy, that's a pretty, uh, pretty self-explanatory. I mean, he's obviously, I think he's talking about like a noose, you know, and he talks about how like businesses take people in and promise them rich, richness and fame and wealth and all this shit. And then it just kind of turns, it just dissolves into nothing and how you're, you're focused so much on getting into the inner circle, you know, and being part of this big thing and, um, and how everybody that's involved in it is just miserable. I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is just something that, that rings only rings with me, but, um, this song just really, really, um, it reminds me of that period of my life and how I fought as hard as I could after that to get away from that. Oh, you you succeeded. You, yeah. You took my spot. It all works out. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, I started working at the game store that Jeff worked at. And now that. I work at a bank. Yeah. Good luck, buddy. No, good Thanks, dude. Dude, that's why you got those three podcasts. That's going to carry Absolutely. you. Yeah, exactly. When it's all said and done, <laughs> we hope five years from now that that's, that's all that you're doing is podcasting. He's not going to swing from a necktie remedy. Yeah. No, I... I feel you on that. I, I've had close attempts at suicide and successful attempts at suicide in my family, so that's a it's a pretty sobering story. Yeah, it was rough, man. Uh, like, it, it, and as bad as it sounds, you're uh, you're truthfully hitting on on why I don't listen to lyrics and why I stick my head in the sand uh, is because I I don't want to hear that shit I know I I don't want to but that's I guess that's the reason why I for the exact same reason why I, I don't want to hear it is I don't want to I don't want to relate to it 
I don't want to admit those weaknesses. I mean, and that's, I guess that's the, 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 the athlete machismo bullshit side of me that's, that starts finding its way to the surface. Jeff wants to be a sociopath, not an empath. Got it. <laughs> yeah. We have a winner. <laughs> Got it. Hey, that's what well, I think we've made great progress with you today, Jeff. <laughs> come back. Come back this time next week. Take a couple of these pills and, uh, you know, we'll get it good. And I, uh, I, I, talking about having a couple of those pills, I just had my first sip of Steel Reserve. What the fuck is that shit? <laughs> it's, it's delicious it's, is what it is. It's fucking disgusting. Have you ever shit into a can, Jeff? Dude, I smelled and then it. Fermented that shit. It's like right. it's like rubbing alcohol is beer. It's god awful. <laughs> I, I this is gonna be my last can of Steel Reserve. There's no. Because I'm you're not, still drinking it. There's I'm going to drink it because there's no way I'm in hell. I'm gonna let alcohol go to waste. So you're an alcoholic, is what you're saying, not a beer connoisseur. Yeah. Dustin, sure. we're so sorry, yeah. man. We, we are not. <laughs> it's, all, it's all right. We are. We we. There's no format to this. Uh, you don't really cheered me up after that. Rival Factions? Rival Factions. Yeah. Actually, 2007. You know, it, I kind of I kind of dug this. This is kind of fun, actually. And This uh, is, uh, yeah, uh, uh, almost beats out Truthless Heroes for me. This was the one that I bought it just because I'm a completist and a band that I listen to. If they put out something new, I'm going to pick it up. But I went into it with very low expectations after the last record. And I put it on and I was like, okay, all right. I, li I like the first track and then it just kept going and it was solid. Like this is the only album where I'm good listening to the whole thing without skipping a single track. Yeah. And it's only like what, 30 minutes long. It's not, yeah, you it's, know, it's super it's tight, 10 tracks. And, it's a good uh, rock album. Yeah. It, it's great. In my opinion, this is era two. Start. Yeah, Alex is gone. This is the first record without him. Yeah, I think Randy's still on and Steven's still in. And obviously, yeah, the, the obviously artwork Andrew. Yeah. just shows the, the three of them. And the artwork is super cool. Like uh, the CD jewel case is like this purple color and it's like a decoder ring. Uh, because if you take the, the liner notes out of the tray... There's like this weird kind of 3D looking print and you have to put it under this uh, plastic to be able to read the, the track listing and there's different things hidden. It's it's pretty cool and that just added to it. Um, also, they worked with Jason Martin on this record and you can tell. Uh, Starflyer 59 is one of my favorites i got to interview jason on drunken lullabies and i was super stoked about that but tracks like illuminate he's the one playing the keyboards on there and it that it you can totally hear him all over this record yeah i, I agree i'm i'm a big starflyer fan and um yeah i definitely hear that yeah it's, that's uh, that's actually something that i I did listen to quite a bit. I had a, one of my best friends in, in high school was a big Starflyer fan. So, yeah, it's uh, this record's just fucking weird for like for Project Eighty Six. Like, it's, it's a straight up rock album. It's like these weird up tempo shit. Like everything else that they ever did was either like like they only had two tricks up their sleeves before. It was either we beat you over the head with a tire iron, or Which I we like. depress you enough till you kill yourself. You know, like there wasn't. Uh, 
Which Dan likes. I, which I love, yeah. And uh, <laughs> But no, this was weird. And honestly, like, the first time I heard this, I was like, fuck this band. Fuck, you know, like, it was, uh, but I mean, at that point, I'm a, I was a meathead, you know. With with met with heavy music and I was like, they're not even heavy anymore and that's not cool because reasons, and uh, <laughs> you know, like I so I wasn't into it. But like when I would go back and listen to it, like the song that really got me was uh, Normandy. Um, that was a fucking great song, Normandy, and I also really loved um, uh, Caveman Jam, which is just one of the weirdest vocal. Like vocal patterns that Schwab's ever done, and the lyrics are just absurd. Like he's just I, like, I agree. Yeah, you caught me on my way to destroy stages. It's like what the fuck. Like, but it's so great. It's interesting to me because what I hear is somebody was listening to Heart Shaped Glasses by Marilyn Manson and said I could do a glam rock record, and then they remembered their Project Eighty Six, so it turned into an electronic pop record. I love it, though. The forces of radio have dropped a pit viper. <laughs> what the fuck is that? Put your lips to the TV. Yeah. Well, what's weird, too, is like Schwab does some of his hardest screaming on that song. The forces of radio have dropped a pit viper. Like, he's he, he's like, it almost hurts listening to him scream it. It sounds like it's hurting him. And uh, I thought that was I thought that was really interesting about this record. But Hemorrhoids. Uh, yeah. I'm going to totally derail this for a second. Why you do that? I'm taking the dog outside. Fuck you, dude. All right, while we're while we're uh, doing that, all right, Steel I guess Reserve we're in recess right now. It's god awful. What is Steel Reserve? Is like the worst thing I've ever put in my mouth. <laughs> really, the worst thing. Best scenario. What what's the worst alcoholic beverage you've ever had? Um, recently in Michigan. No, not Michigan. Uh, that was a different trip. We were in Minnesota, and we went to this club. And there was a beer list. And I was just looking for something new. And there was a gluten-free beer that the name of it was just Greek symbols. <laughs> and But it, it was like a pun when you put them together. I can't remember exactly what it was. But I thought it was kind of clever. So I ordered it. And it was a horrible mistake because it was just horrible and I, I took my first sip and my girlfriend could tell uh, I was not enjoying it and it was like seven dollars for a can and I didn't like it on the first sip and it was a tall can oh. so I was like well maybe I'll just try to chug it and power through because I don't want to waste it <laughs> and so I started doing that and I had to stop about halfway through because I started dry heaving oh my god uh, it was that bad that I couldn't even chug it. Um, and it, it it made me physically ill for a little while. Like I had to go to the bathroom and kind of like settle. Um, and then I came back in and I was like, I'm, I'm sorry, but I, I can't finish this. And we got something else. But yeah, that was probably uh, the worst one I've had in, in a while. Oh, that sounds horrible, man. So if you see any beer that's gluten-free with Greek letters as the name, that's probably it. Don't drink it. Okay, I got you. Yeah, there's uh, the place I was at for my uh, high school reunion uh, before I came here in January, so just in a few weeks. Their uh, 
one of the beers they're getting ready to introduce because they're they're getting ready to open up the brewery is a gluten-free beer and you've just kind of completely turned me off of trying any gluten-free beer because i don't want to i don't want to go through that i don't want to have to spend seven bucks on a tall boy and and fucking hate it. So here's the thing about gluten-free. It's bullshit. All the people that decided last year that they have gluten intolerances, you're fucking faking it. If you don't go to the fucking doctor and figure out that you actually have gluten intolerance, you're full of shit. I mean, the, And there the, is no reason for you to avoid gluten. Controversial glu- opinions. The gluten-free thing is the straight-up hipster thing. Unless you... I mean, because the, the percentage of people that actually have a gluten intolerance is, is fairly small. I okay. mean, there's plenty of people out there that do have a gluten intolerance. I mean, when you look at the entire population of the world, I mean, that means millions of people. I want to see documentation. No. I, I stopped eating bread for a week and I feel better about myself does not count. That's because you're eating. Pros- I've never stopped eating bread. Look what happened to me. <laughs> That's called processed flour. I mean, anybody. All flour is processed to an extent, Jeffrey. Right. And you guys are giving me shit about derailing the conversation. If we want to talk about things to avoid, for me, unfortunately, it's the next album, which is Picket Fence Cartel. Oh, fuck yeah. There you go. I, I am. Hot take. I, I'm in the minority. I actually dug this one. Following Rival Factions, which is, you know, one of my favorites, this was a another big, huge disappointment. It's the end of the original, the rest of the original lineup. Uh, Randy and Steven, this was their final record. And unfortunately, it's not a good one to leave on, in my opinion. But maybe that's why they left. I like the songs. I like the atmosphere. Jeffrey. Oh, that's my word, atmosphere. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a lot of uh, electronic. Atmosphere. Yeah, there's plenty of layers. There's plenty of electronic elements in this. I'm a heavy-duty industrial guy, so that probably is part of the reason why I do like this one. There, there's a, there's quite a there's they're uh, borrowing quite a few of those elements in this album. It is a gigantic put off that the drums on this record are fake. They are not being played by a human being. See, are you sure knows. about that, Joe? You always say that, but I don't know if you know that, that for sure. I can guarantee it for sure. The drums that you hear were not played by a human being. That's Joe, the drummer, speaking. And I'm not a drummer, so I don't give a shit. Don't misunderstand uh, me, Jeff. I love the record. I yeah. love the songs. But when I listen to the record, I'm just... I have the... Scott Mellinger response to it's the Mellinger. self-titled Zayo. Mellinger, yeah. I don't want to hear the fake drums, and I know they're fake because there is no variation in the tones. I fucking love Destroyer, man. Like that's that's actually the first. It, maybe that's part of it. That's the first Project Eighty Six song I heard was Destroyer, and I dug it. I mean, it had a bit of a. You should hear it live with a real drummer. It's better. He he kind of. I mean, he even has like we that. We saw him tour on this. That croaky, dry, cracked uh, Marilyn Manson speak that he does on Destroyer. I actually like that on the. I don't know what what it is, but it, it kind of speaks to me. But I, I know I'm I'm sure I'm in the minority, but I love industrials, so that kind of sound is what I grew up on, and so hearing that just kind of comforts me a bit. Now that you mentioned Marilyn Manson, this would this song would be so much more interesting with a bunch of uh 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 going on. 
<laughs> I would dig the fuck out of that, actually. I think that they were trying to give the drawing black lines treatment to the rival faction sound. They were like, okay, so we had electronic elements on rival factions, and that was... Rival Factions was probably one of their better albums in the sense that unlike their other stuff, look at uh, look at everything Drawing Black Lines on. You kind of are you kind of had to be a Project 86 fan already to pick those records up, right? Absolutely. Like how many how many new fans do you think that they got off of Songs to Burn and uh, you know, in the rest will follow. But an album like an album like Rival Factions, they may have actually gained new fans with that. Yeah, Spotify. Their number one song is you know Evil, of course, of Resistance. That's their most played song. Right, because that's a, that's an earworm. If you hear that on the radio, you're not going to get that out of your head for days. Uh, unfortunately, Picket Fence Cartel doesn't have a song like that. Well, that's not true. It does have the butcher, which is uh, the butcher destroyer. The yeah, the butcher and destroyer. Axe. I like them both. That's one of the only songs that I really like. The which butcher was pretty badass. Cement shoes. Um, but this record doesn't have a lot of hits. It's. Um, I think it repeats itself a little too much in places. Um, destroyer. I love the beginning of Destroyer. Like I like the first thirty-eight to thirty-nine seconds of Destroyer. But then it's like, okay, guys, come on, let's fucking start the song. Like, how long? How long is this gonna go on before you guys actually get into it? I guess I kind of like the fact that it drones on. I don't know. I was a little upset that this was the last time we heard Randy Torres on a record. And we don't really hear him; we just hear his guitar at this point. Yeah. At this point, Schwab has completely taken over the vocal section, and it was that way on Rival Factions as well. Mainly, yeah. Randy was doing production work at this point. The last time we heard Randy was on there, and the rest will follow. I always felt like everything on, and like I love Rival Factions, and maybe it didn't need Randy, but this record probably could have benefited from it. And I just, it's, I've felt like since then there's always been something missing from the band's sound. Because again, I'm, I'm totally sold out on those first four or five records. And so to me, it's like those first four or five records, you know, Era One, as Joe calls it, really was the band. And everything like Rival Factions on is like Andrew trying to keep it all together. I agree 95%. What we got after Rival Factions was not the same band. In some ways, it was more entertaining, but Rival Factions on its own, like Jeff said, great record. Like Dan said, new fans. It was actually a step in a different direction. I think everything from Songs to Burn Your Bridges By to And the Rest Will Follow was trying to hold on to whatever they had with Drawing Black Lines and Truthless Heroes combined that we want to be heavy, but then we also want to be melodic. Whereas this was a step in the direction of we want to be heavy, but we also have those melodic elements that are left over from Truthless Heroes and Songs to Burn Your Bridges By, which I still find interesting that in the book he mentioned the production process of Truthless Heroes being so frustrating, and I just find it interesting that we're still doing the melodic thing 
if we had such a negative reaction to it initially. I don't know. I just don't think that that Andrew is capable of putting out something like the early records all by himself. But I do want to throw out special mention to the song The Black Brigade off of uh, um, Picket Fence Cartel. For whatever reason, that song, that riff, sounds so Project 86 to me. That's the only other song on that that I like, aside from The Butcher. Yeah, for some reason... You don't even like Destroyer? Nope, I only have tracks 2 and 10 on my list for this one. For some reason, that opening riff for The Black Brigade is the most generically Project 86 riff (laughs) that could exist. And I love it um, because of that. I love it because of the nostalgia of that. And that's the last time we're going to ever hear that, folks. I don't know, dude. No, that's over. Wait until the new record. Uh, No, no, no. We'll get to Uh, it. Don't worry. We'll get to it. Wait for the siren? Well, speaking of wait for the siren... What happened from 2009 to 2012, Dan? Because there was a period of time where Project 86 was either dead or wasn't making new records. They were never dead. Basically, the band was never dead. I mean, they were still touring and and releasing shit. Um, But, you know, there's a reason why we're talking about these guys in December, right? Is it time to talk about the EP? (laughs) Let's talk about... uh, We're breaking our own rule and we're talking about an EP on a discography discussion. So in 2008, and I thought this was a fucking joke at first. I did too. So, yeah, Project 86 put out a Christmas EP. (laughs) And it was really demented and really sick. And where was this when they were making Picket Fence Cartel? Uh, Half of these songs could have benefited on being on that record. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what. I didn't break the rule because I didn't listen to this. You're missing out, sir. This might be some of the most industrial music they've ever made. Yep. Dustin, did you listen to this? Uh, yeah. I'm a huge fan of Christmas music. I have uh, a Spotify playlist of Christmas music that is thousands upon thousands of songs, and this is definitely in there. And, I mean, like, they do Mr. Grinch, which uh, they do a solid original take on it. Um, this time of year, I thought was a really solid song and uh, wrought on this holidays eve. Those are all fantastic songs, in my opinion. Jeff's getting his first taste of misfit toys as we speak, and he's regretting not listening to this. It sounds like he listened to a shit ton of Marilyn Manson. Yeah, kind of. And was like, how do I do this? But like, with holiday cheer what how do i how do i incorporate the baby jesus into this you know and uh and goddamn i mean it, this was awesome um and it's weird too because like this was hard to get you had to like you you had a very limited window of time this is before spotify slightly yeah. before spotify so like you really had to like dig deep like if you, if you didn't get this when it was first released you essentially had to like go on ebay and find it the original EP had five songs, and then there was a couple singles that were released here and there. Like, the like Project 86, I remember the Kane Mutiny EP, I remember this time of year EP, and then all of a sudden in 2015, and we're skipping a couple years, but all of a sudden in 2018, there was an eight-song release that took all their Christmas music that Not they had made and shoved it all together into one. Yeah, so they they, they kind of combined all the shit together, right, and made a full length album. 
And by full length, I mean like what, 26 minutes? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's the best damn Christmas album I've heard in a long time. I disagree, but August uh, Burns Red. <laughs> we'll get to them next year. Yeah, I was gonna say that's my Christmas album. I like my, me some Nightmare Before Christmas. So yeah, this yeah. is some really creepy shit. <laughs> like, and it's weird because it kind of instills that same feeling in me that Drawing Black Lines did back in the day. Not that they sound anything alike, but just this idea of like this is a Christian band coming up with this stuff. But as we all know, at this point, this is the Andrew Schwab show. This is whatever he thinks is a good idea. This is the bridge goes. between Era 2 and Era 3, if I'm Holy shit, there's three the eras? I think so. There's the first era, which stopped it, and the rest will follow. There's the two records in the middle, where we didn't have the same drummer... We didn't have the same input from the band, or at least the same sound, and it led us to the third, which is just Andrew Schwab and Friends, which we will get into when we discuss Wait for the Siren, their first crowdfunded endeavor. I, I helped crowdfund it. I helped crowdfund yes, it as well. I've helped crowdfund every album since then. We were at the CD release party here in St. Louis. Yeah, me and you and Andrew. <laughs> there was nobody at that show. Out of the three bloody lips I've had at metal shows, two of them were Andrew Schwab's fault. Thank you, sir. Well, and I remember, I remember that like they've never had a good pull in St. Louis because St. Louis doesn't like good bands. It's just the way it is. Hey, man, <laughs> we like the urge and breaking Benjamin. Yeah. Okay, fucker. <laughs> hey guys, when's Deftones coming back? With Guns hey. and Roses, right? Anyway. Deftones um, is good, though. Yeah, Guns and Roses is good, too. Or was. So, yeah, we came, we went to the CD release party. And uh, I remember there's a song on this record called Sots. S-O-T-S. And I remember they played it live. And Andrew's like, does anybody know what S-O-T-S stands for? And I think I yelled out. Because, again, it was like me and Joe and like six other people. And I was like, Song of the South? In which case, Andrew was like, yes, that's exactly it. Very <laughs> sarcastically. <laughs> and I almost brought that up whenever we had him on our podcast, but I was like, I don't want to bring that shit up. Um, I like the songs on here, but they don't sound like Project 86 as much as they sound like Andrew Schwab and Friends. Rocky Gray's playing drums. Brian Head Welch makes an appearance. I mean... What about Bruce? Bruce is on here as well. Bruce Fitzhugh from Living Sacrifice. You know that man so well. I like the songs, but they sound to me like songs that you would write with a super group. I mean, there's a band called Tin Machine that David Bowie is the lead singer of. Mm -hmm. I feel like I this was. is this would be something to that extent. If this if this was anything other than Project Eighty Six. It would be a little more appealing because just as a Project 86 record, I don't hear anything familiar. And as a fan, that's what I'm listening for. And even with Picket Fence Cartel and Rival Factions, it was different, but I still heard familiarity. This, there's elements of familiarity, but they don't sound like the same band. It just sounds like Andrew Schwab's hanging out with a bunch of people. Uh, th this is, again, part part of the time where I kind of was on radio silence. I own the album. 
Um, there's only a few songs that I really like, um, like Fall Goliath Fall. It's okay. Uh, they have a video for it. It was the lead single, but nothing that is going to really hold a candle to the old stuff. Defector's all right. I do like Ghosts of uh, Easter Rising, track 10, but honestly, this is another one where I bought it when it came out, played it a couple times, and on the shelf, it's set. I liked this one for the most part. I liked Fall Goliath Fall. Uh, I remember I was... Everything seems to always travel back to my work history, but like I was working at the game store not making any money, and I was upset about that. Um, even I was though, too. That's why I left. Yeah, even though I was mentally, I was mentally better than I was leaving the bank. I wanted to make more money, so I remember that was right about when this record came out. What was this like, 2012, Joe? Yeah, 2012. Yeah. So that's whenever I started working at as a technician. Oh, that's when he came to my house and installed my cable. That is when I came to Jeff's house and installed <laughs> his cable, yes. And everything I know about technicians, I know from Dan. Right. So, <laughs> the good and the bad and the ugly. But, uh, no, what was interesting is I remember listening to the shit out of uh, Fall Goliath Fall when I was getting my, um, when I was doing my job interviews and stuff. That song just, like, really pumped me up and made me super confident, overconfident at my job interviews. And so that, that song holds a special place in my, in my heart. But to be totally honest, I like that song. I like tracks one and two. And that's it. And that's it. <laughs> that's me on this album. Um, I because, mean, I mean, track two is great because, I mean, it's beca- Bruce. because Bruce Fitzhugh is great. Yeah. You know. And, you know, I'm going to always stick around to listen to him scream. Really beyond that, um, Wait for the Siren was kind of a big miss for me. Um, it's it's oh I feel like it, it's one of those records that could have benefited from a different track listing order. I just don't think it flows that well, and I think there's just too much shit thrown together. You mean like it. there's a bunch of guest appearances? There's a bunch that of don't guest really appearances fit. that don't really fit. I thought there was only two on this. Is there more than two? Oh man, there's like it's three or four. Well, and uh, the guitarist from A Plea for Purging plays guitar on this record. Oh, okay. Uh, Rocky Gray, who played in Living Sacrifice, Evanescence. Uh, in pretty much every band you can name, Rocky Gray is kind of like the guy to call if you need somebody to play drums or guitar on your shit. Yeah, actually, I talked. It's funny. I talked a lot about Rocky at my uh, high school reunion today. That was pretty funny. It's weird. Yeah, there's a bunch of they were like talking about all these Christian podcasts that they're doing. And I'm like, Rocky. They're like, who's that? I'm like, Living Sacrifice. They're like, who's that? I'm like, you should have been like, <laughs> you should have been like, dude, I do a Christian podcast. <laughs> <laughs> to a certain extent, I do, except I drop f bombs all the time. So this is the first record that features the new Project 86, which is Andrew Schwab, Dustin Lowry, and Scott Davis. No bass player at the time. Who I don't think is even in the band anymore. Right? But then your additional musicians, your guest vocalists, you've got Bruce Fitzhugh, you got Brian Head Welch, you got Andrew Welch from Disciple, you got Blake Martin, that's our plea for purging, you got Cody Diggers, Rocky Gray. I don't know who the wedding is, but I'm guessing that's a band. Yeah. Showing up on guest vocals. Yeah. I mean, 
this really was you're crowdfunding our record and we're going to make it worth your money by having a bunch of people show up and do shit. I mean, it was definitely a takes a village kind of moment. The village didn't put out a good album. <sighs> Agreed. It was True. a hit. Collectively, it was yeah. better than the next one. So we're moving on to Knives yeah, to the Future. Knives to the Future doesn't even exist for me as an album. Really? Yeah. Like, See, I like this one better than the last couple. It's all right. Um, and I get, I think it's like what you were saying about radio silence. I guess I, after wait for the siren, I just didn't care. Mm-hmm. You know, I was kind of like, oh yeah, you know, like I think the we song apathetic to what they were. Yeah, putting out. yeah, and it's weird too because I helped crowdfund it. Um, yeah, I've got an autographed copy in my hand right now. I'm glad I don't because I would have smashed it to bits. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, like I just think that this record is very. Um, mm, what's the word? try hard solid but like it's so damn solid that like i just don't remember any of it and this could be my fault this is the one that i listened to the least yeah i well and that's the thing like i didn't listen to this much but then when i was doing prep uh for this episode you know i went back i listened to them all in order like in a day and this one when i put it on i was like man i probably should have given this more attention when it came out because uh, honestly i think it's got some decent songs on it uh it has the only album closer that i love on any project 86 album i never felt they've had a strong song to end a record but I oculus agree. is a solid one to go out on no i agree like even drawing black lines as great of a record as that is doesn't end that strong they need a you know o- oculus is a mic drop on the record like for sure we're done you know see you in a couple years uh and yeah that was something that i always felt was missing from their albums was that kick in the teeth on the way out the door right they've always kind of slacked in the last two or three songs with exception of course but and that's sequencing you know that's like we said uh albums could benefit from a, a better track listing so right. i don't know but he evidently doesn't make good mix CDs for people because um, no. <laughs> you. It's all about sequencing. Uh, right. It's all about sequencing, especially with me. And I know I've been called out for it recently from our good friends at the Roach Coach. I remember when albums made sense, uh-huh. and then there was this time where even pop records. You knew if I used to say it's. You can tell if it's a pop record because the last three songs are complete throwaway bullshit. And if it had a good closer, or if it ended on a good note, that means it had good sequencing. And for the most part, I've been correct all these years. Project 86, they're one of the bands that just doesn't know how to close a record. Yeah. But that could be that underground or independent, we put our best foot forward because we don't believe someone's going to listen to the whole album anyway. I don't know. But Oculus is, is a good song on here. I like... I like Pale the, Rider. the opening track. The opening track's pretty good. Uh, Spirit of Shiloh. I'm a pretty big fan of that. So, Dan, since this album doesn't exist for you, are we just going straight to Sheep Among Wolves now? Pretty much. I, I wish I had something better to say about it. It's extremely solid. I like it. What do you want to say about Sheep part, Among Wolves, I don't, then, Dan? I just don't love Knives to the Future. So... I'm not going to lie, Sheep Among the Wolves came out, like, what, four and a half minutes ago? Oh, yeah. about three and a half days. Yeah, no, well, you know, a couple weeks, but... 
So yeah, it's at least I don't have it on CD. It's the only one I don't have. Well, see, I crowdfunded the vinyl. That's not shipping for several more months, which I'm really pissed off about. But that's neither here nor there. Um, I still got access to it before anybody else did, you know. Right. (laughs) So I got that going for me. So Chief Amongst Wolves starts pretty aggressively, actually. Mm -hmm. I was pretty surprised by that. Um, it doesn't hit me like drawing black lines hits me, but it's uh, it's it was an interesting choice. It was almost like Schwab was like, "I hear what you guys are saying, so I'm gonna do this for you." But it doesn't really come off like that. I mean, he's sure he's screaming. It's a little chaotic or whatever, but it sounds more like something like Latter Day Under Oath or Norma Jean would do. <laughs> it doesn't really sound distinctly Project Eighty Six. And um, I don't, I don't want to say I, I like I don't want to shit on it because I do I do like it you know obviously I do prefer to hear Schwab scream than sing, <laughs> but um, this record is just really all over the place, man. I'm too close to it right now. It's too new that I don't really have an opinion. It's got some decent songs like MHS, um, which I'm trying to think of an inappropriate. Uh, definition for that My Harry Scrotum. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a good it. one. <laughs> All right, cool. <laughs> so uh, I mean, they put out a lyric video for it, and that's you know it's pretty heavy. There are a couple uh, grammar errors I think in the lyric video, which bugged me. But um, you know, imaginary me is all right. But again, it's one of those. I'm going to have to go back and and give it more attention later down the road to see what yeah odds are we're going to come back to this in like a mini episode or something uh in the future because it's it's just too new and uh yeah it's great they're still putting out music my review of this record in 2017 is there are aspects of this record that remind me of every project 86 record that came previous even the opening track reminds me of the self-titled project 86 yes andrew is singing but I only hear the guitar, the bass, and the drums, and Andrew. One of the best listens I have is 15 Live, which is a live record they did after, I think it was Picket Fence Cartel, Dan. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yes. And all it was was the guitar, the bass, the drums, and Andrew. So you're hearing a very pure representation of the band, which is important to a lot of people. I don't want to call this album stripped down because... It's not fully stripped down, but some of the songs are just the band, and other songs are the electronic elaborations that happened later on. So I really feel like the first few times I listen to it, I'm hearing a little bit of everything Project has ever done. Yeah, I think I'd put this as I fling poo. I just want to see what sticks. Uh, I, that's my perception of it. it. This is an album that is made for the modern masses that you know putting it songs into a playlist or putting stuff on on shuffle is perfectly fine i i guess i'm a traditionalist and i like to listen stuff cover to cover and i want a cohesiveness to it when i'm listening to it, it, it and maybe that's what we we, we kind of hit out on earlier track listing it seems to be a challenge for project 86 and, and maybe that's why I'm, other than a couple exceptions, have a hard time digesting their music, is when I listen to something, I, I'm one of those guys that I want to start at the beginning and go all the way to the end. 
and there's always something that makes me not want that to happen on multiple Project 86 albums because either A, it doesn't finish well or the track listing is a little screwed Mm -hmm. up and that just uh, it kind of leaves a sour taste in my mouth I just, I'm I'm an album listener I'm old school in that way and I will always be that way I'm the same way and, and that's I think that's probably why on certain albums uh, I do have struggles listening to uh, Project 86 and it's simply because of that I want to I want to start at track one and go all the way to track 15 or whatever it might be and, and never have to hit skip and uh, I don't feel like I can always do that with their stuff listen to 15 live you'll be surprised <laughs> we are at the end so did we make it we, we survived we made it we Dan did. survived. I know I had some issues, barely. <laughs> the table didn't make it. No, oh, no, 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 no. It's, it's back. It's, it's oh, going to the trash the anyway, guys. I beat it into submission. I just owe Joe a table. That's not a, hard, that's not a tall order. It's going to go in the trash tomorrow anyway, dude, so it's okay. It's like Chris Farley as Matt Foley just going right through that table. Oh, shit. I know. Mankind. No, not Mick Foley. Matt Foley. He lives in a van down by the river. I know. Living just, on a steady diet of government cheese. I'm having a little yeah. fun. Thank you for oh, that, Dustin. I can't see you. You were winking at me. Oh, okay. It's a- <laughs> he can send you some seductive pictures on Facebook Messenger on Ooh. his own time. That's right. <laughs> I'm going to leave with Dustin and say final thoughts on Project 86. Great band. Uh, I have many happy, pleasant memories of shows and, and those early albums. Again, like I said, it's great they're still putting out music. I'm still keeping up with them, which, you know, I think that's what a lot of people do that really have a strong tie to a band. So they, they've got that support. They're doing the crowdfunding thing. It seems to be working. Hope Andrew keeps putting out music. Um, like I said, you don't have to like everything that these people put out as long as there's a, a few things that just keep you coming back and so far i haven't given up so i appreciate you guys having me on to to talk about some p86 tonight jeff what about you uh for me it's all about mr schwab's voice dude i that's what keeps me listening i mean it pretty well established you know i'm not the the biggest fan i mean because i've what had two and a half weeks of listening to this but dude he's got some pipes and uh I'd, I'd like to hear, I'd like to, I'd like to hear him go straight up hardcore. I would love to hear that because he's black lines, <laughs> like even more so. Okay. Yeah, but you, that there's a reason why drawing black lines is in my top two, and, and that's exactly why. So yeah, I want to hear them get back to the the harder, edgier sound, and uh, make an entire album of it. Dan, what about you? I feel like. Everything from Project 86 self-titled all the way up to and the rest will follow is the band. Like a band of people that contribute ideas together and and have a collective sound that's created from multiple band practices and writing sessions and whatever you want to call it. Everything else is good for the most part. Few misses. But that's okay. You know, the more albums you have, you can have a few misses and it's okay, you know. Um, but uh, I think uh, I think I think that original band, you know, like first five albums. That's where I'm at. 
and that's where I'm going to live for a while with this band. But obviously, despite that, I still crowdfund every new album. I'm still very involved. And so it's one of those, like, being a fan, I'm going to always like everything that they do, even if I don't love everything that they do. I'm a fan of Project 86. I have been for many years. I want to love everything they do. But I find myself loving three records, and the rest is their greatest hits. And that's okay sometimes. If I'm listening to Project 86, I'm probably not going to listen to the newest releases in their entirety. But if I was a fan of other bands, I'd be going to see them live just to hear them play the greatest hits. So I feel like it's okay that I only like the greatest hits of Project 86, but I'm glad that Project 86 is still around, if only for the reason that it is the label Andrew Schwab uses for his music. For that reason, it's worth listening to, even today. And... I'm looking forward to digesting the newest release as much as I have the others. Dustin, what is your album of the week? Um, what I've been listening to a lot lately, you know, it, it's the end of the year. So I go crazy on doing my top 25 albums of the year and my favorite singles and all this kind of stuff. And I make all these playlists, but I've been listening to, you know, my top albums of the year a lot this week, aside from project a six. And I mean, I could give you a whole rundown, but I'll just stick with one record that I've been playing a lot that, uh, you know, maybe your listeners may enjoy a bit, but, um, it's another old, old band, old favorite that had my favorite release of the year. And it was Afghan wigs. Uh, they put out an album called in spades. They're on sub pop records. Now saw them live at the Metro in Chicago a few months ago. And it's just a really solid album from top to bottom. They've put out two records since they reformed and they have not lost a step at all. And I got to feature them on, Drunken Lullabies as a band of the week and, and play some songs. And that was awesome for me to be able to feature them on the show with their permission. That's so awesome. very yeah, cool. Uh, yeah. Afghan wigs in spades album of the year for me. Nice. Dan, what about you? Well, I'm not going to lie. I've just kind of fallen back on old favorites. So my album of the week has been uh language by the contortionist. Oh dude, Jeff. Did Dan just steal your bit? No, but language is, I play, I'm just like Dan. I play that every fucking day. I mean, I listen to it at least three or four times a week. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's seriously like lifeblood at this point in time. Like I have to listen to it, but no, actually I go back a couple of years uh, since it's been industrial December. Uh, it's been uh, hesitation marks by nine inch nails for me. I love oh, okay. that album. It's Christmas. It's industrial December. So I'm going to say that everybody should listen to a very project 86 Christmas. Aw, 
supposed to be not Project 86. It doesn't have to be not Project 86. <laughs> there is no rule that says the album that's, of the week cannot be the artist. He can make the rules whatever he wants. That's true. You he kind of controls right. everything. He's like fucking <laughs> Emperor Palpatine over here. It was me the whole time. But uh, Dustin, where can people find everything you do? including drunken lullabies well if you want to go on facebook you can type in drunken lullabies podcast uh you can also type in drunk at the movies both have separate pages that will give you updates show notes links all that fun stuff we're on all the regular podcast apps uh your apple podcasts google play iHeartRadio, stitcher all that fun stuff just look it up um craft craft beer digest a newer show uh, but it is available as well but you know drunken lullabies podcast.com will get you all the details you need we have instagram and all that kind of stuff and it's linked to there but new shows for drunken lullabies every sunday drunk at the movies comes out every wednesday and apparently now every other monday is craft beer digest so i'm now monopolizing three days of the week uh so i have I have four days left to figure out another four shows and uh, start my own network of nothing but me talking seven days a week. Jesus. Are they going to include beer? <laughs> so far. <laughs> there you go. Well, we appreciate you coming on and hanging oh, out with us. Talking about Project 86. And on that note, this has been episode 43 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, iTunes, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion, and please send questions and comments to DanAndJoeShow at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at Patreon.com forward slash DiscussMetal. We have some sweet perks. Give me your money. This was the first record that featured the new Project 86, which is... Oh, dance happy. We have a man down. Man down. You right, dude? That actually wasn't drunk. Woo! You still got video running, Dustin? Yes, I do. All right, so you got to see all that fun? Yeah, I, I can't see the table. His hands are off screen, so I, I'm assuming he's trying to fix something. But you saw the... Uh... The tumble. Humpty Dumpty when for a fall. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. The hazards of podcasting. <laughs> Who knew they existed, right? Right. Hey, that's why we need a couch. Yeah, you play a dangerous game with the standing and then the sitting down and then the standing and the sitting down. <laughs> Alright, so that happened. Yeah, that was fun. You almost made it, man. We only got two albums left to talk about. <laughs> I know. Two? Oh, I'm not even drunk either. I can't even like doesn't even have a good excuse. I can't even use that as anything. It was literally one of those, like, Lack of I coordination. Moved, I moved the, uh... Wrong no, I moved the stool under where I thought was my ass and then started to sit down and... And then it wasn't there. Yeah, it's even funnier when you're fat. I can only imagine how great that must have looked on video. <laughs> I would have watched that shit over and over again on slow-mo. It was slightly amusing. Oh, I'm sure it was. Like, dude, you got a story now. You're like, dude, so I'm talking to these guys, and this fucker just, like, falls off. (laughs) Oh, man. What was I going to say about this? Oh, yeah. Consummate professional here.